Hi, everybody. I'm Gus Johnson along with the governor. He says he got all his jeans from his mom. From his mom. A lot of nylon. A lot of excitement in the air. Yes. And we're ready for college basketball. College basketball. Oh, oh. What's up, everybody? We are live from the Big East Bar Room. Happy March 12th, Selection Sunday to all those who celebrate. Ryan, you have quite the shirt on today. Yeah, I do, because I'm in the mood and I'm ready to go. And it's finally something to celebrate on one of these days. It's a national holiday. It's Selection Sunday. So let's talk some Big East basketball. For all those listening, it's a polo golf shirt with all the logos of Big East basketball teams that his lovely other half purchased him for Christmas. Yeah, it appears to be some kind of promo shirt that they gave out at some event um, that was then sold on eBay. And it looks like John Fanta should be wearing that, like, at all times because, like, he is the Big East and, like, it just is loud. Yeah, I'm done with that. I think John would look great in it. Right, we went to our first Big East tournament since we have talked to the people. That was fun. <laughs> Terrible. Overrated. Who who was it good for? Four games we saw. We were there on Thursday. Um, four really close games at certain points, um, other than the last one. What a great environment that was, especially I, the Providence-UConn game. I was a little surprised, 2.30 on a Thursday. And how did all those people get off of work? That was a blast, but also the Xavier-DePaul um, game was rocking. Xavier was. I was surprised at how well Xavier had traveled after the, uh, the yeah. Big East tournament. They were doing great. Creighton, there was a ton of Creighton fans. Creighton fans for. traveled well. Um, Marquette fans were had the building pretty full uh, at the uh, first game, even though that was first thing in the afternoon. So, yeah, yeah that was a ton of fun. That was and an Johnny's blast. fans were uh, pretty uh, amped up as well, too. Oh, Johnny's fans everywhere. Um, okay, but today we are going to go in order. We're going to do some bigger picture things. Um about some of the programs that were eliminated that are definitely not going dancing. We had a bunch of news break this week that we'll talk about um, with Ewing and Anderson and some transfers we're already talking about. So, um, but we'll go in order of the way they were eliminated. So just to be clear, this is a recap of the Big East tournament. Yes. And then later in the week, there will be an episode previewing the NCAA tournament. So stay tuned. Obviously, look up our feed, follow us on Twitter to see that get released. And let's talk a little Big East tournament basketball. Yeah, our goal for the preview episode will be that we're going to try to watch some film on these five teams that are going to be playing, um, that are playing against. We obviously have watched a lot of Big East film. Um, so we can get you guys some things to look out for so you don't get Teddy Allen again next year. Oh, somebody's um, going to get Teddy Allen. Someone's going to get Teddy Allen. Hopefully not in the Big East, though. Yeah, absolutely. Rye, at 3 o'clock on Wednesday of the Big East tournament, St. John's eliminated Butler. So we will talk about the the Butler Bulldogs first. All right, let's put some time on the clock. Uh, Butler got eliminated by St. John's. They went down big in this game early, um, fought back to make it about a nine-point game at one point. Um, Big picture Butler things. You have some news? Yes, Miles Tate has announced that he's transferring. He was one of the backup guards. He had some, you know, he had some real flashes. He had a lot of athleticism. Uh, he he also showed some frustration at times. I would guess I have no inside information. I would guess he was upset about his playing time. So yeah, he uh, has announced he is in the transfer portal. Yeah, he scored ten points in this game too. So you lose a scorer like that. Um, 
Any concerns about Thad Matta's yes. comments after the game? Uh, well, I don't have his comments. What were they? He said we're not that talented. He didn't. He, isn't that out of context? Right. Did I you believe just quoted out of context to tell me you quoted out of context. Well, I'm talking about what everybody's talking about right now. I uh, didn't he say when we don't play together, we're not that talented. Yes, I ha- I actually listened to the press conference after everybody was talking about it, and I think that the um, automatic transcription got it incorrect. And he said, when we play that yeah. way, we're not that talented. I, I I am worried about Thad Mata as the head coach. I've talked to you about this. I There's a fine line between a coach who's going for their last job, probably, and a coach who's just going out Jim Beheim style as a lame duck. Um, Thad Mata this year went more Jim Beheim than he did um, that coach that's reinvigorated um, to take him to the next level. So I, I have a lot of worries about Butler in the future, but – they are going to return. Seamus Lukosius, um, Manny Bates. We'll see what happens with that. We got the news before that game that Manny Bates was academically ineligible. Um, you had some thoughts on that? Just no need to tell us why he's ineligible. A lot of people thought he'd be out for injury. Why clarify that it's not an injury, that it's because of his – like there's just no and, need to embarrass him like that. Um, so, I, yeah, I'm pretty strongly anti that message. And we saw the right way to do it. We got frustrated. UConn sat Tristan Newton the first half or the first few minutes of the um province game and gave no reason and yeah. Tristan Newton said it was my fault and there but we never got a reason no which is we cover big east basketball we want to know because we're curious but at the end of the day it's not our business yeah. and these are young men and they don't need to be embarrassed in front of and, national media and the butler standards are a b average for grad school i mean i did grad school maintaining a b while not practicing and playing games and missing classes for games and stuff is hard enough i can't um you know, I'm not going to sit here and blast Manny Bates or Eric Hunter for uh, falling behind on their studies, especially during that. Um, not sure it needed to be handled that way. Yeah, I agree with you. All right, who are we moving on to next? Right, the game maybe of the Big East tournament got played next, and that was the Seton Hall Pirates against the DePaul Blue Demons. Um, Seton Hall gets eliminated on a Femme Odakali drives a lane, and goaltending um, was called originally on Nick Agenda. They went back, reviewed it, said no goaltending, clean block. That was the end of the game. Well, can we really talk about it? They really got eliminated when they turned the ball over with like nine seconds and then body slammed uh, Moshe Gibson on a three-point attempt. That was a much more costly mistake. Femi Odakale made something out of nothing. Three and a half seconds, uh, drove the entire length of the court and almost got a layup to go in to save their season. Um, so that wasn't hard to blame Odakale there. It was the no, turnover. No, that really screwed. I think that play said a lot more about Ogenda. Um, yeah, you. it was a lot of upperclassmen, Alamir Dawes and Jameer Harris, handling the ball and turning it over. Um, you'd really like to see them play with a little bit more, you know, at the end of the game, a little bit more um, stability. Yeah, you, I mean, they looked like they are missing Kadari Richmond. They're, they're missing they their best offensive player. Um, they played hard. What a, we went over our fathers after the game. He doesn't watch a ton of basketball, but he watched that game. He said, man, those guys play hard. Yeah. You got to give them that. They play hard. I wish Casey Nadepo didn't run through um, Moshe Gibson at the end of that game. I was like, how can you call a foul here? Um, and then I watched the replay, and it was pretty pretty brutal. Right? would you rate Seton Hall season as a success, not a success, or just keep it, you know, or just par for the course? It's a great question, right? Shaheen Holloway's um, first year, you really feel like – he established a culture, and kind of you can put it in opposition to Thad Matter, where the culture's not quite clear yet. Shaheen Holloway's culture is very clear, what he expects, 
and the team got better throughout the year. Um, now, obviously, they were a better team than Butler was last year, so he he had more pieces coming in Holloway. I call it a success, but not a, a, a raging success. Yeah, I'd say stock up. Uh, Shaheen Holloway is a coach that I trust, where I'm telling you right now I'm not sure I trust Thad Mata um, in the direction of the Butler Bulldogs, but I will. I very much trust Mr. Shaheen Holloway. Yeah. All right, right. We actually have some big news to talk about for the next team that got absolutely obliterated. We don't even have to waste time talking about this game. I don't embarrassing. Think. I mean, just embarrassing. It was never. We're talking about Georgetown, to be clear. Yes. Oh, if you didn't know by embarrassing, that's yeah. obviously the Georgetown Hoyas. Except for maybe not in the future. Tyler, tell them why. Um, after this game, the next day, Patrick Ewing has been terminated. Um, they pulled the trigger. Um, I think Patrick Ewing put them in a corner with his comments where he said. The AD and the board control my job. It made, He pretty much made it clear that he was not going to step away willingly um, where I think they hoped he would. And, you know, he lost his job. Georgetown is now going to move on in their coaching search. And there's some interesting quotes coming out. That Fanta tweet where he says, we have our guy. We know who it is. We're all in agreement on it. That's a wildly interesting quote off the bat. And then just two minutes before we started recording this, we heard Ed Cooley's response to the Georgetown rumors, and he would not deny them. He just kept saying, I am the Providence coach right now. That's what I'm concerned about. I, I tweeted this. I don't think that – I think that was a big load of – that's nothing burger. Um, you know, Ed Cooley, if he says I'm not interested in the Georgetown job, well, then Providence, you know, he loses some um, leverage. If he says I am interested in the job, you obviously can't come out and do that. Um, I think Ed Cooley handled it well. He said we always have interest in our – you know, our coaches, um, we've been fortunate enough to stay together. I am the Providence head coach. I was 0% last time we talked about Ed Cooley going to Georgetown. I'm up to 10%. Well, and maybe that's why I've, I have a different reaction because I was at like 20% of him going to Georgetown, and this didn't sway me one way or the other. Yeah, I didn't think he would even entertain it. I thought that he was kind of – you know, I thought Providence was his dream job, right? Like there was no rumors about Jay Wright leaving Villanova because everybody knew that was his dream job, and Jay Wright would have made that very clear. Yeah. Um, I would would have thought Ed Cooley would put this to bed, but he's chosen not to. Yeah, I think in the days of NIL, he can leverage this a little bit more than Jay Wright could. He can say, I need more money to bring in some players. Um, you know, he he can do it a little bit differently. We'll have to see what Ed wants. Um, I'm so, I would, if I was a betting man, which I am a betting man, I would bet on him to go back to Providence. Yeah. All right. We are now talking about Thursday. Thursday, teams that won a game. So yeah. that's a little more fun. So let's put two on two and a half on the clock and, and actually get into some of this stuff. Yeah. So um on Thursday, the first game of the day, I said that the first, you know, that um the Paul game might have been the game of the tournament, but uh St. John's lost to Marquette in overtime. Gave Marquette a heck of a better game than they got in the championship. Really, really impressive stuff from the Johnnies who came out to a, a big lead in the first half. They go into halftime up 10 points. And it took everything Marquette had to make that comeback. Um, Dylan Daiwusu? Dylan Daiwusu uh, was the closer on that team. He kind of had um, – he didn't score a lot during that game. And then down the stretch, they were giving him the ball every time. Yeah, who had Dylan Daiwusu to save the St. John's season against the number one seed of the Big East yeah, tournament? They, they push it to overtime and Soriano. Um, right, I don't want to – downgrade you met Posh Alexander this weekend I did meet Posh Alexander he was just hanging out outside of MSG after the loss super nice guy and we really want to have him on a podcast so 
at him in your Twitter. Tell him we're asking for him. Um, and, you know, uh, we, I had the chance to ask him about it. He said he'd try to get on. And the difference to me between St. John's and Georgetown, because I think this is important to talk big pictures, I think St. John's players genuinely like Mike Anderson. Um, for the you don't think that we know Raphael Penzone doesn't oh, like Mike Anderson. He's only, but we, we know Andre Corbello has had issues with Mike Anderson. But we know Joel Soriano would take a bullet for Mike Anderson. Dylan Adeyawusu came out and said really nice things. Posh Alexander, the real the the leaders or what should be the leaders of that team seem to respect Mike Anderson a lot. Well, and, what, and it felt like they were fighting for him all weekend. Yeah, I agree. But what you kept hearing was Mike Anderson's the nicest guy in the yeah. world. He just can't coach anymore. He, you know, he's lost his fastball is what a lot of people yeah. are saying. He hasn't adjusted to the way the game has changed over the last 15 years. But nobody questions his character. Yeah, and Joel, and I don't think we even said this. Mike Anderson was let go after. Um, they did not terminate him. They parted ways. Um, the terminology was a stark difference between that and Georgetown, I thought, which was funny. Um, Joel Soriano came out and said right away, if – Mike Anderson's not the coach. I'm not going to be here. From his camp, we have already gotten that if Rick Pitino is the coach. Um, Joel Soriano has said he will be coming back. Oh, I haven't that, heard that. Yeah, he has said uh, that he is willing to play for Rick Pitino. Yeah, I mean, Joel Soriano, 12 points, 12 rebounds in the game against Marquette. He's four Played blocks. 40 minutes. Played 40 minutes. He, I mean, he led the team in minutes as the biggest guy on the court. And this team has a lot of talent coming back. And if they get a real head coach – they're going to have Dona Daiwusu coming back, Joel Soriano if he decides. And this is all, you know, this could all be changing with the transfer portal. Posh Alexander, AJ Stewart, David Jones, Colby King showed me a lot, um, you know, down the stretch of this season. There is an opportunity for St. John's with a competent head coach to be really, really good in the near future. And I think that's really good for the Big East. Tyler, you're a betting man. What are you giving the odds that Rick Pitino coaches St. John's next year? 80%. Uh, I think there's so much smoke there. That, what, uh, minus two fifty. Yeah, yeah. My, I, yeah, minus three hundred almost. Minus three hundred. Um, he has a connection to the Northeast. He's coaching at Iona right now. Um, I think that is. I heard today, as long as St. John's doesn't fumble it, um, which isn't a guarantee <laughs> that he will be um, the head coach. So, I guess one of the things that could change it. It seems like Rick wants to come to the Big East. If Georgetown doesn't get one of these guys they want, you know, will they switch to Rick Pitino? And the Georgetown brand might be more appealing than the St. John's brand. Yeah, absolutely. All right. We're now moving on to the second game of the day on Friday, which was Providence versus UConn. It was kind of a crazy game. UConn gets off to a wild start. Um they were up 26 points with 12 minutes ago, and then Providence comes storming back, makes it a like a, a two possession game, yeah. down the stretch. Um, what do you want to talk about, Ty? Um, I I think that the first half was really scary time to be a Providence fan, thinking did we completely lose our fastball? Um, UConn has their number right now. That's kind of two blowouts um, in the last three, four weeks they've had against Providence. And I think UConn's playing their some of their best basketball of the season. Um, but Providence just couldn't get anything to go in the first half. They shot 29%, 11% from three. Um, yeah, I don't I don't really have a lot on Providence. We can do big picture stuff on Providence. I mean, I'd like to talk about Bryce Hopkins a little bit, who, who really struggled in the first half. And then he came on strong in the second half. He finishes with 16 points. Seven rebounds. Um, I thought that was great to see as he hadn't been playing his best basketball of the season. 
And that second half, you know, all of a sudden, if you're a Browns fan and you're looking forward, you're saying, all right, we can build on this. Yeah. You know? And and here's what I also want to say. Um, I think we get caught up in, well, they made a great comeback. And we've seen this a lot this year. When the team gets out to a big lead and another team starts playing really desperate, um, it's a little easier to make a comeback because you're playing free. Yeah, I'm reminded of, remember, when UConn went down big um, to Xavier Campbell where UConn could just run a 1-3-1 press for the entire um, second half, and they came really close to getting back. I don't know how much that comeback says about them. Um, they were creating havoc. They were making UConn turn the ball over. Um, See, I, I disagree with you because what we have on this podcast said is what's questionable has been their effort, defensively effort. Um, they were playing with about as much effort as you can imagine in that second half. So if they're able to uh, – listen, there's no guarantee, but if they're able to bring that into their matchup in the NCAA tournament, you know, all of a sudden it's looking pretty good for the Friars. Yeah, I just – when you're when you're that desperate, it just seems a little bit – you can play a little bit looser. And uh, uh, I just pulled up the stat. Bryce Hopkins, three points in the first half, 13 in the second half. Um, really nice performance. Also, Noah Locke, zero points in the first half, 14 in the second. He went four of five from three. Down the stretch, he is still their X factor. If he's hitting, uh, all of a sudden the whole Friar team looks a lot better. So, do you think the Cooley to zoom out a little bit? The Cooley stuff is going to be a distraction for that team right now. It's hard to say. Uh, this team was sliding in the wrong direction before the Cooley rumors, so it's really hard to pick apart what is causing what. Um, like chicken or the egg there, right? But. Uh, I don't think we'll know until long after the end of this season. I'll, what I'll say is on a team full of transfers, people look for stability. You come to Providence, you're stable. You know it's Ed Cooley. To feel kind of – if there is that instability there right now, that could be detrimental to that team. Um, I don't know what's going on there. We got the rumor – or not the rumor. It was confirmed by a beat reporter that the day before Seton Hall and Senior Day, they were out late um, till 4 a.m. I'm never going to begrudge it kid for going out and living their college lifestyle but you wonder if that ed cooley culture could be slipping a little bit and i don't want to that might be harsh but is that culture slipping at all and they're like hey you might not even be here next year and board just did not confirm that he just reported the hurt rumors right. he had heard but, but those rumors are pretty well sp- spread and yeah. people would recognize the basketball team if they're at a little dirt concert so you it, mean a bunch of six seven six eight guys walking around a concert right. with, so it makes sense on your campuses on your campus is recognizable it checks out i i uh, i'm a little worried about the providence culture and if this i would have liked i hope ed cooley behind closed doors is giving his team it straight rather than what he did in that press conference i don't begrudge him for doing what he did in that press conference all right right we are actually going to be talking about a team we did not think we would be talking about during this um the third game on thursday was the elimination of the depaul blue demons Man, talk about a team that fought like hell to make it to the Big East semifinals. What what did you see from DePaul other than just this? some kids that didn't want to stop playing basketball? Yeah, this can't be seen as anything but a major success for the DePaul Blue Demons and for This Tony, weekend specifically. Yes, for DePaul Blue Demons and for Tony Stubblefield, first off beating Seton Hall in a game where it would have been really easy to give up, and they never gave up, and they kept fighting. And, you know, that is not something you can say about every team in that position. So you have to give them a ton of credit. Nick Angendo with the block of his life and the quote of his life. I knew it was clean. That's what I do. I block everything. Um, 
And then they went and gave Xavier a great game. They scored 49 points in the first half. Moshe Gibson gave you 22 points. They, they were up 10 at the break. I mean, they, they shot 69% in the first half. I mean, this was a – they went 20 of 29 shooting. 15 of 28, 53%. Same thing that's plagued DePaul this season. They have talented people who can put the ball in the basket. Their defense isn't good enough. Xavier shot in the second half. Um, oh, they only shot – uh, 43% from the field in the second half, but still um, just the amount of second chances that Xavier got, you know, it was enough for them to go, you know, bring it over the top. Yeah. But I don't think that's completely fair to say, uh, talk poorly about their defense. I thought this was probably the best their defense has looked all year long. They saved it for right now. They would bit 90 points. Um, well, to Seton Hall, they didn't give up 90 points, no, but you can't give up this. If you left Seton Hall in the gym and no one else was playing defense. Seton Hall might not score 90 points. <laughs> That's not kind. Um, yeah, they, they played really, really well. Um, and it stinks to end up losing that Xavier game, but, you know, Xavier is a hell of a team. So, All right, let's zoom out now again. I know we're caught up in this positivity of the weekend. This has to be thought of as a major failure of a year for Nepal, correct? Yes, it's year two of Tony Stubblefield's tenure. You didn't take any strides forward. You probably took a step back, although you get off of Wednesday at the Big East Tournament. So there are some positives to take away. Do I think that 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 one game is enough to overcome the regular season? No. But if you're looking for positives, there's some out there. And let's stay zoomed out for a second. Ryan, here's the problem with DePaul. Next year, no Moja Gibson, out of eligibility. No Javon Johnson, out of eligibility. No Earl Penn, out of eligibility. No Yorinoy, out of eligibility. Those might have been four of the most seven most impactful players on your team. You're going to be looking at transfers to bring in. You're going to be looking at Caleb Murphy and Zion Cruz to take steps forward. And so far, I haven't seen that Tony Stubblefield can, you know, bring teams forward. Well, you have Caleb Murphy. You have Jalen Terry. You have Nick Angenda. You have Deshaun Nelson. You have Deshaun Nelson. Do you have Earl Penn? Irel Penn is no Irel Penn is out of eligibility. Out of eligibility. So you got some pieces there, uh, you know. But listen, Stubblefield needs to develop some of these young guys. He has, uh, you know, Zion Cruz didn't even play in the Xavier game. Yeah, um, he was a four-star recruit. He was like one of the top five recruits coming into the Big East this year. They're gonna hit the portal hard, and and the good thing is, I mean, isn't Amoja Gibson a transfer from Oklahoma? Yeah, I mean that's a big-time transfer that they landed. So it shows that Stubblefield can get out there and recruit. The game management has to get a lot better, though. I was very happy for them this weekend. They yes. played their asses off. They didn't quit, and they earned that win. And, and it's great to see Nick Angenda back and thriving. He's a great presence. All right, right. We get to our last game of Thursday. This was an absolute must-watch game. I was thinking about leaving early because I had to work on Friday. And then when this was announced as the you know later game, um, we had the Villanova Wildcats be eliminated from the uh, conference tournament, right? This season is a, you know, has to be thought of as a colossal flat failure for the Villanova Wildcats. Well, you want to dive into this game a little bit before we go big picture? Yeah. Uh, they The first half was 23 to 32. Um, neither team shot the ball extremely well in the first half, 43 and 33. Second half was 51 to 55. Um, Justin Moore had... You know, his 17 point or 13 points, Eric Dixon continues to show his growth. Um, you know, Villanova at the end of the day just wasn't, they couldn't hit that switch. 
um, or put the gas pedal a little further down. You know, we're, this was a pretty, uh, this was a pick of an upset a lot of the, t- uh, in a lot of brackets. Yeah. Uh, switch is a great word because the, sw- running their switching defense with Ryan Clockburner was really different, difficult. Um, and Creighton didn't do a good job of exploiting that in the first half. They did a much better job of exploiting that in the second half. If you get the ball to Ryan Cockburner with Justin Moore guarding him and Cockburner's anywhere near the hoop, it's really hard to prevent a basket there. Uh, but I did think their defense played pretty well in that first half. Um, they were much improved, but they ran into a really good Creighton team when they needed to win the entire tournament. But but the problem is Creighton then gets blown out the next day. I mean, I just – I think Villanova all year we were squinting our eyes and seeing like, oh, I kind of see it, and it just never came to fruition. Other than like a few games, this was a, this was a team that was always a second tier, third tier of Big East hoops. Right, the year. second tier Big East hoops made it into the NCAA tournament this year. Their problem was well, that they didn't – we're be- talking about your tiers. I'm talking, I'm talking about just like they were a step below where they needed to be. They all won right. – Seven of their last ten games, including at Xavier and versus Creighton. Um, I mean, that's a great finish to the season. And let's be honest, if they didn't deal with the injuries, they'd be in the NCAA tournament. You think Justin Moore's healthy all year? They're in an NCAA tournament? Oh, 100%. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, to go 17 and 16, they needed to win some of those games at the beginning of the year against Temple and other teams. Um, and then once it got to that point, it was it was almost over before it started at the beginning of the year. Yeah, they weren't able to step up those role players um, to kind of keep the ship afloat before the before the guys were able to return. Um, Ryan, make a prediction for me. Who's coming back for Nova next year? Everybody People except who, for Justin Moore, Brandon Slater, and Caleb Daniels. Caleb Daniels. You think Justin or you think Cam Whitmore comes back? Oh, excuse me. No, Cam Whitmore won't be back either. So you would have Eric Dixon next year, Mark Armstrong, Jordan Longino, Chris Archidiakono, Brennan Hausen, Hassan, Hassan, and Trey Patterson. They're going to have to hit the portal hard. We're going to see a lot about Kyle Neptune soon. I think they have a four-star recruit coming in as well. Um, we'll have to get more into 247 sports when, uh, as the season winds down. Yeah. Uh, so they're losing four of their starting five. It's going to be a tough ask. We'll see. Okay, Big East fans, we need to take time to shout out the best sponsor for our first year, DMOR Designs. They are your go-to place for custom mugs, custom shirts, custom hats, custom hoodies, jerseys. You have to order through them. Go through their website. Go through anything that we have um, in their bios. Locally, family store, the absolute best. They're the best in the business. Any custom apparel that you want, you want to get your squad looking right, you want to get the crew rolling together in the same shirts, same hats, go to DMOR Designs, contact them, and they'll put it all together for you. And we couldn't be happier to have worked with a, you know, a sponsor in our first year of doing this. So you guys have shown us love all year. Go show them some love. DMOR Designs on Instagram, DMOR Designs on our bio, DMOR Designs on the web. You know what to do. Double D. All right, right. Friday of the Big East tournament, Jay Wright has told us repeatedly there is nothing better in college basketball. And the first game, 6.30, the UConn Huskies were eliminated by the eventual champs. Right? We have very different opinions here. Um, we could zoom in on the game for a minute. UConn um, did really well in the, of getting the ball to Sunogo. Um, Sunogo had 19 points. Donovan Klingon played really well defensively and had seven points. Um, 
you know, the bigs kind of messed with Marquette a little bit, like we had seen in the first two matchups. Um, Jordan Hawkins, Tristan Newton, and Andre Jackson were no-shows in this game. Um, you're not going to win many games when three of your four best players don't play well. Yeah, Marquette was excellent defensively. Mm-hmm. So some of that has to do with it. You know, Jordan Hawkins was blanketed a lot by Omax. Um, but what do I got? I got two minutes. Can I do two minutes about how they should have been playing Klingon and Sonogo at the same time? I think you'd have to do longer than two minutes. Their their best advantage in this game was their size and offensive rebounding. Adama Sonogo was a force. He was unguardable. He had 11 rebounds and 19 points. He missed four shots. Right, he's eight of twelve. Like, and I think he got an offensive rebound on like two of those four missed shots. Yeah. Um, the fact that Danny Hurley never practiced with that double big lineup, so he didn't have it in his back pocket in the playoffs when he would need it. That is a coaching failure to me. I know I'm hard on the Huskies, but I'm you know I really feel strongly about that. And I think it's fair to say that this is the issue with Purdue last year, right? If you said who were Purdue's two or their three best players, it was Trevion Williams and Zach Eadie. Jaden Ivey obviously was their best. UConn's two best players in this game might have been Donovan Klingon and Adama Sonogo. What Sonogo was giving you offensively was equally as important what Klingon was giving you defensively. Sonogo shot 35% from three this year. It wouldn't have been the worst idea to get him out there let you know see what happened they did go to this lineup a few times they did it against providence for a long time um but yes i think that if you adama sonogo comes back next year which is a big if um that will be seeing a lot more of that too big lineup according to the plus minus donovan Klingon was the best player on the team he played 10 minutes listeners is it a good idea to play your best player 10 minutes in a 40 minute game Right, let's zoom out on the Huskies now. We have different opinions on this as well. Is this a successful year or not a successful year for the Huskies? If the season ended today. Yes. No tournament for anybody. Not that no, UConn loses in the tournament. Right, there's no NCAA tournament. This is a failure in my opinion. And I and I completely disagree. UConn has um, gone from being a team that was middling in the AAC to a team that is now a top four seed in the conference, or in the NCAA tournament again, top four seed in the conference. Um they lost to the champs, and if Jordan Hawkins hits that turnaround three, we're t- probably talking about the UConn Huskies as the Big East tournament champions. But ifs and buts are candy and nuts, sure. right? But they, they they didn't win those games. His foot was on the line at Creighton. Like, but we're going to sit here, and we're going to praise St. John's effort, and we're going to praise Xavier for getting getting there, and they lose by – St. John's is a failure of a season. They fired their coach, well, right? Like Yeah. But, like, DePaul, we just said – We just said on the court they did such a great job. I'll praise the kids till the cows come home. But if we're talking about what is the conclusion on the season, I don't know how you say it was a success of the season. They didn't take a step forward. They, they had, did. They were a four seed. They were a five seed last year. That's a step forward. I mean, that's you, quite the depth. They were a seven seed the first year. They're five seed then this year. And they year. lost in the semifinals by eight points last year and two points this year. Like they lost by three points last year. Tyrese Martin had a chance at the game winning three from half court. And there you go. We lost by two. We're really yeah. shaving. Like, We've lost by one possession. What if that UConn is that close to being um, a powerhouse? I am. I am fully in on Hurley, and I think that this team is going to be doing big things in March. They got plenty of time to change the narrative to me. Obviously, you don't need the narrative changed. If they make a deep run in the NCAA tournament, nobody will care about the semifinal. All right, Ryan, we are going to talk about the last team that got eliminated on Friday night. A lot of people's sexy pick to win the Big East tournament. The Creighton Blue Jays were eliminated Friday night against Xavier. Right? 
I have a lot of concern about Creighton, but you want to go first because you were able to watch most of this game and I was not. Well, let's do, do both games, right? Because they played really well against Villanova. So let's quickly touch on that. Ryan Kalkbrenner was just fantastic defensively in this game. And, and a lot of people had picked Villanova over Creighton because of the way Eric Dixon was able to exploit Ryan Kalkbrenner's defense. Ryan Kalkbrenner did a fantastic job of getting out on Dixon and contesting shots while also staying close enough to the rim to um, change shots at the rim. I labeled it a defensive player of the year performance. I thought he was excellent. Yeah, I I thought that in that game he was excellent to give up 51 points in the second half. It scares me. Creighton only goes as far as their defense goes. Um, you know, I don't want to look too far forward, but NC State is a really good offensive team that they're going to be playing in the tournament. Creighton isn't going to outshoot you any game. Um, and they really struggled with the savior you know, offense. And did you realize Baylor Shireman was one assist away from a triple-double in this game? I didn't realize that watching it live. I have him at seven rebounds. Oh, you're talking about the Villanova game. Seven rebounds, two assists, 15 points in the Xavier game. 12 points, 11 rebounds, or 12 rebounds, nine assists in the Villanova game. Um, but then moving over to the Xavier game, it was an interesting um, kind of strategy that they used. They put Ryan Cockburner on Jerome Hunter and then asked Arthur Kaluma to defend Jack Nunji. Uh, that was kind of Greg McDermott's idea going into this one, and it didn't turn out well. Um, they got smacked. They got mollywhopped even. Ryan, you watched this game. I don't know what mollywhopped means, but you watched this game, and this is what I read on, you know, from a few people. It seemed like they were saying that, you know, Sean Miller was trying to get Ryan Cockburn out of the paint, doing anything possible. Did you see any of that? Or did you think that Cockburn did a better job staying at home? No, Cockburn stayed home. Um, it actually ended up giving Hunter too much space at times. And Hunter not, nailed a couple mid-range shots. Um, but but Arthur Kaluma wasn't able to defend Jack Nunji, which ended up being the real problem. Yeah. So it was, it was definitely a um, risky decision by McDermott. We hadn't seen anything quite like that this season. I don't think it paid off. I think if he could do it again, he wouldn't. And this is my fear for Creighton. When you have a player that needs so many things to happen for them to be that special player, it worries me that, you know, when those things don't happen and the other team is game planning for that, you are going to run into a problem. I've I've said the same about UConn. They, you know, they have Andre Jackson who, you know, they have to change their whole offense because of him. Ryan Cockbrenner, when he's taken out of the paint, is not a great mobile defender. Ryan Cockburner, when he plays someone who's a little more physical than he is, is not always a great defender. And they're trying to, you know, he has three rebounds in this game. I mean, that's like, that's not going to win in, the, you know, tournament time. I just worry that too much has to go right for Crane to be successful. They're always going to run into trouble when they see a stretch five. They happen to see two stretch fives in this tournament. I don't know if NC State has a stretch five. I guess we'll. Um, we will definitely learn that. When they're not playing in stretch five, he's a defensive player of the year for a reason. He changes everything if he can stay in the paint. Um, also, I, I want to quickly um, – Greg McDermott had a great quote after the first half against Xavier. He said those were imposters in Creighton jerseys. Um, I've, we've never played that poorly before. So I thought that was kind of interesting. They had kind of lost that game in the first half. They didn't uh, really make a run at it again. Yeah, that was a 20-point game for a long time. Uh Creighton has a or NC State has a six foot nine, two hundred and sixty pound man named DJ Burns. Luckily for Ryan Cockburner, DJ Burns shot zero percent from three this year, and that seems to be their best big guy. We will dive more into that though in the next round. No idea if that's relevant. We'll find out. Oh, it just he's a third leading scorer for them. So, oh, yeah. okay. so I I just know that he's uh he's their best big man, quote unquote. All right, right. 
the team that got eliminated in the championship, your Xavier Musketeers. And man, you want to talk about Mollywop. They got smacked by Marquette in this game. It, they lose by 14, but this game was never that close. Yeah, really nobody had a very good um, loss except for UConn. Well, Providence, I guess St. you could Johnson. say at the end. Yeah, St. John's too. Um, but at least of the teams that advanced. Um, I You know, ugly loss for Xavier there, but they had some really good games, so you can also focus on a lot of positives. Yeah, and I think that's important too. I don't take a lot of stock in what happened in this game. Um, Sule Boom has been excellent all year, and he scored one point. He left everything short. Xavier will never have to play three games in three days again. They yeah. will play two games in 50 hours or whatever I saw, but they will never – so this – like this uh, test of depth and um, endurance will not happen again um, until next season. Yeah, Sean Miller talked after the game about, you know, just we were spent, we were tired. Uh, they're already short, especially in the front court without Zach Fremantle. That really showed Cesar Edwards got extended minutes. They don't want Cesar Edwards getting extended minutes at this point in his career. I think he could be a really good player, but um, he's not a guy you want out there for 15, 20 minutes a game yet. Uh, but unfortunately, they had to play him that much because Jack Nunji just, you know, was exhausted as well. Jack Nunji had played an excellent game against Creighton. Um, you know, I, I put together some highlights of him defensively. He was a, that might have been his best defensive game of the year. He was affecting shots like crazy. But but Ryan, this is what we've talked about with Xavier, and this is always the fear: if their offense doesn't show up, I mean, yes, they will not score fifty-one points. They will score a lot more than that in a tournament game. But X has a clear weakness. Um, Marquette only scored 65 points in this game. But for me, it was clear that Marquette kind of took the foot off the gas pedal um, a little bit. They held them to 34% shooting, but Marquette played really well. Um, but this has been the recipe to beat Xavier this year. If you are the DePaul game or the Butler game, if you get them to play somewhere in the 60s, you're probably going to beat them. Yeah, I mean, at one point they were shooting one of 13 from three. That's 7%. They are the fourth best three-point shooting team in the country. They shot 40% as a team over the course of the year. Now, anything can happen in a one-game tournament. And we saw that because Big East Tournament, also a one-game tournament, right? But you got to pray that they don't have that bad of a shooting night again. And they have experience. They have guys like Boom and um, Kobe Jones and Adam Kunkel and Jerome Hunter and Jack Nunji and all these guys who have um, played a lot of these games. Um, I believe this is Sule Boom's first NCAA tournament game, which he balled out in the first two Big East games like he was excited to play postseason basketball. Um, I'm excited to watch him, not only because he's a friend of the pod, but because he is um, truly one of the more enjoyable players to watch play college basketball. And it would be a mistake to not talk about uh, Colby Jones's performance against DePaul. He went for 22 points, six rebounds, a couple assists, three steals, six rebounds on six and a half. He was um, pretty incredible in that game. He was their best offensive player and defensive player. I believe Kobe Jones will be in the NBA next year. So everybody enjoy these last few games of watching him. He's a special talent and also a friend of the pod. Zooming out a little bit, they lose Kunkel and Boom for next year. You're giving Xavier what grade for the year, their regular season? I think you got to give him an A, maybe an A-, minus, but it's pretty darn close to as good as you could have hoped for in Sean Miller's first year back with the Xavier Musketeers. All right, right. Let's talk champs. The Marquette Golden Eagles are your Big East tournament champions. They win the Big East regular season. They win the player of the year. They win the coach of the year. They win the sixth man of the year. They win the Big East 
championship. They get the Big East. Well, you're going to obviously win the Big East tournament most in, um, outstanding player in Tyler Kolek. The dream season for the Marquette Golden Eagles. Does it get any better for a Golden Eagles fan right now? Uh, Ty, I couldn't have said it better. This is as good of a season as you could imagine if you're Marquette. Um, they've done it. They've done it start to finish. They've shot everybody up. They and, and it's so much sweeter coming pick ninth versus coming pick first, right? Yeah. You know, there's only about 10 teams in the history of the Big East, 40 years of amazing basketball that won the outright Big East regular season and a tournament. And they did it picked ninth. I mean, just an incredible season, an incredible group of guys. What a run through the Big East tournament. Um, You want to dive into kind of these games individually? Yeah, the St. John's game had me worried. I was like, you know what, Marquette, they have this magic. Is it still there? Um, They survived. Why? Tyler Kolick puts a team on his back in overtime. They go to play UConn. Worried. UConn, to me, was the hottest team coming into this. You know, they were my pick to win the Big East tournament. They, why did they win that game? Tyler Kolick, Omax, Cam Jones, just a plethora of stars. This team had people step up at every opportunity in this tournament, and they deserve so much credit for what they were able to do. The defense is humming. They're playing their best defense of the year, and all of a sudden they look like a top three defense in the Big East. Their connectiveness, their communication, their ability to switch one through five and recover to guys. I mean, it makes them so dangerous. They 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 jumped on UConn to start the game. Dan Hurley said in in the in his huddle, they can't keep this up. Well, they did, and then they went and did it against Xavier as well. And um, you know, Sean Miller said after the game, their defense is just not the same as when we saw them earlier this season. Um, and, and then you got the best player in the league, Tyler Kolek, to take over when you need him to. And the thing about this team is the difference between Xavier. Xavier needs their five guys to be good to win a game most of the time. Cam Jones in two of these games was almost like unplayable at certain times. He shot three of 13 against St. John's, and he shot 0 of 8 against Xavier from three. That's three of 21 over two games that they won. I mean, and Cam Jones might be their most like talented quote-unquote player. I mean, they somebody different steps up every single night. Yes, they have the consistency of Tyler Kolek to step up every single night, and that really helps. But to get those point twelve points from David Joplin, to get um, you know nine points from Omax and Stevie Mitchell, you know, I just can't say enough good things about this team um, and what they. I mean, can we talk about what Shaka Smart did with the foul trouble against UConn? He's got Oso Iguodaro with four fouls. He's got David Joplin with four fouls. He's got Tyler Kolek with four fouls. Um, they can't guard the big man. They've got David Joplin trying to guard Adama Sonoko. He can't do it. They got to not pick up the fifth foul. And they still manage a way to win that game. Just, I mean, it's a team of destiny. You know, the, the, the whole is greater than the sum of the parts on this team. And I'm just very happy for them. And it's been a pleasure to watch them all year. Yeah. Their defense just humming at the right time. That's everything you said at the beginning. Just completely correct. I mean, they have three guys that can like um, Omax, Cam Jones, um, or Omax, Stevie Mitchell, and Oso Aguilar are really good defenders. Oso is a little undersized, and I get that. But, man, and then they bring David Joplin in, and he is a strong four who can stretch the floor. Um, and, and Tyler Kolick? Seven steals over the Big East tournament. I mean, he's not known as a defensive player. He plays hard. He takes charges. He, he'll contest anything. He's not afraid to hit the ground. 
Like, he's not a gifted defender naturally, but I wouldn't want to be matched up against him. Jumping passing lanes. I mean, he – and he just uses his body really well. He's and a killer. He's, he's got a killer instinct. You can see it when you watch him play. He, he has a, a flair for the moment. He understands when his team needs him to go make a big play. And um, he's just a pure leader. Uh, what a pleasure to watch him. Yeah. Right. Zoom out on this Marquette team. Let's talk about players that are leaving. All right. That was a fun segment. <laughs> Ryan, Marquette doesn't have any players that are out of eligibility. Um, Tyler Kolick has told us that he is not going anywhere. Um, that might have changed because he wasn't the Big East player of the year when that happened, but I believe him. Maybe you'll see Cam Jones try to test the pro waters, but what they're building in Marquette is scary for everybody else. I promise you they will not be picked ninth next year to um, win the Big East. Yeah, listen, if Tyler Kolick goes pro, no hard feelings. No. Go get paid, young man. We loved watching you, and we'll root for you wherever you go. But if you decide to come back, man, next year is going to be so much fun. Yeah, they have a real chance to make some noise in the tournament, and they're two seed. Um, so check out some more of that on our preview show. All right, that wraps up our Big East recap show, Big East tournament. Um, I think that this was a you know, this is our first time going to a tournament game, and I think it was absolutely amazing. What were your top three games of the tournament? Top three, the St. John's. I don't want to go in order because I probably can't do it off the top of my head. St. Sure. John's Marquette, um, that overtime game, Marquette versus UConn, and then Seton Hall in DePaul. Um, those were the three, you know, we had three games that were pretty much buzzer beaters. Yeah, throwing Creighton to uh, Xavier DePaul for me with that comeback from Xavier yeah. after DePaul got and, and DePaul was just giving them everything they could handle. But I think that's a great three. Yeah, absolutely. Right, we going to the biggest tournament next year? Lord willing. All right. All right, guys, thanks for tuning in. Stay tuned um, or look out for our preview episode, which is hopefully going to be coming out soon. Hopefully we have a big special guest on there that uh, you guys will love to hear from. And we'll kind of do a little bit of film work so we can see, you know, what these teams are going to be going against in their first round matchup. Appreciate you guys. Appreciate you listening. As always, get in our mentions. Tell us what we got wrong. Tell Tyler what he got wrong because he's wrong about a lot of stuff and, and somebody's got to keep him honest. So we're kicking it to you. All right, guys, thanks for pulling up a stool.